Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, April 27th, in the year 2023, this is Mike Abadir, your host on the Mike Abadir Show, of course. Thank you for joining us today. As always, I'm with my main man, Pop DiBiase. So much to get to today. It's not a slow day, Pop. It's not a slow spring Thursday. Uh, We got, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers deal got done. Lamar and the Ravens reach a $260 million deal over five years. And, of course, we got the NFL draft coming up shortly here. A lot of NBA action, MLB, of course. And we're only about a week and change away from the Kentucky Derby. So let's get right to it, Pop. Let's start with the NBA first because we got a lot of NFL to talk about. I was very disappointed in uh, the Kings coughing up three games in a row. You almost you almost rode off the Warriors as an aging, older team. How do you see it now that the Warriors have the Kings on the ropes? Well, from what I'm seeing, um, pretty much, and um, hopefully I'm not too low because I'm still in, I'm in the media room right now of the draft. So pretty much um, – what I'm seeing with the Kings is just a case of you haven't been here for a while and they don't have enough veterans out there to really last with that team in and, you know, calm them down a little bit. I think that um, a lot of times that I think that the nerves uh, kind of played a part into everything after they were unable to win that uh, game three that everybody kind of assumed that they would be able to take because there was no Draymond there. But as I said to you, Mike, that the Warriors were actually going to get better with no Draymond there to – you know, kind of throw off things a little bit or give the Kings a little bit of an extra boost because everybody would probably say that game two possibly was lost because, you know, Draymond was now. But I think that's a that's a poor excuse because Sabonis was really tearing them up those first few games. But since they're bringing more doubles on Sabonis and now they have Kevin Lune um, sticking them more, more, than, more often, um, it's making it a little bit more um, difficult for Sabonis to – you know, do the inside-out game. And then with uh, Fox breaking his finger, that just was tragic because Fox needed to be more of a floor general last night, and he still wanted to go ahead and do what he already does and trying to get his 30 points and, you know, things like that. But I felt like he was overdoing it and overplaying it because he's hurt. And I think that he needed to be a little bit more um, more of a floor general and somebody else needs to step up on their side and make sure that, you know, they, they made up for those points that he wasn't going to be able to get last night. So pretty much um, the Kings are just learning. That's lessons. But the biggest problem is Keegan Murray going absolutely getting, you know, going um, pretty much um, zero, zeroing out after the first quarter. Keegan Murray was my X factor in this series. If he can't step it up here in these, this next game, then um, they're probably going to be going home. But, I would say this: If you're the Sacramento Kings, you have you should have the most confidence in the world right now because the whole world is picking against you. They're telling you that you're not good enough to beat the Warriors, and I feel that still the Kings are the better team here. 
And I think that the Warriors are a team that's still a messy situation. It's just that they they came together at the right time because they needed Draymond not to play a game because he was he was way too in his feelings and way too into trying to get into the Kings mental. And I think it worked and then it started to work, say game four. So pretty much with them losing that game four, I think the mentality was that they had an easy win back in Sacramento. But the Kings turned on, but the Warriors turned on the championship button last night and they went ahead and finished the game. But I think that they're going to try to rest easy, be comfortable. And the Kings, literally, who are a much better road team than the Warriors were, I think that they go ahead and get themselves a good road win. I'm not giving up on the Kings today. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not either, Pop. I mean, look. The, the the Warriors did something that they haven't been able to do much during this past NBA season, which is to win a game on the road. And they've done well at home. But isn't it odd how a lot of times you see that during playoffs, a lot of those stats are kind of out the window and that things get reversed? Like I've seen it where two MLB teams are really dominant at home, but they win their first two road games and then they go – you know, in the playoffs and to the other teams home and they take two. And now all of a sudden each team is 0-2 at home. The playoffs are just a different animal. And so the Kings, they just need to swipe that one game that's coming up one game at a time mentality. Don't worry about the rest. You're looking to play one game, one game playoff. If you win that one, you're back in your home court and the Warriors I've only won one time on the road recently, and that was just yesterday. Can they do it twice in a row? I think the odds are in the Kings' favor, so long as they can bring it back home. So I still think the Kings take this series. I think they played well enough in the first two games. They've got a template. Mike Brown knows the Warriors inside out. I think it's a pretty good recipe for uh, a seven-game series. How about that, Pop? Right, and I've, I've said the series was going seven the whole time because I felt like they was going to keep uh, swapping home wins, but we got the road win for the Warriors last night. Now it's up to the Kings to get their road win. That's what it's all about. The most important thing for a team in the playoffs is to get a road win. That's It's that simple because a road win makes the series that much easier for you. That's why the Lakers are in a good spot right now. People that were criticizing the Lakers losing that game the other night absolutely have to understand that the Lakers are the seventh seed and the Grizzlies are the two seed and the Grizzlies are the better roster. Regardless of what anybody uh, wants to say, yes, they have LeBron. Yes, they have AD. Yes, they have uh, Russell. Uh, they have uh, Russell, D'Angelo Russell as well, too. But at the end of the day, you have a team in the Bucks that are, I mean, not the Bucks, but the Grizzlies that are young and they got a lot of guys in place that are athletic and they play very good defense. A lot of people don't talk about how good of a defense that the uh, Grizzlies have. And the Grizzlies had one of the were had, had the best home record in the league. You know what I mean? So pretty much the Lakers still in game one. That was incredible when you think about it because it made life a lot easier. And then taking care of their business at home, going up 3-1, the Lakers put themselves in a confident position to where they can go ahead and end this thing against the uh, – Grizzlies on tomorrow, but that's still going to be a really, really tough game because you have a motivated Grizzlies team and then you have everybody riding off the Grizzlies as well, too. And then people had to just remember the Lakers are not the top seed in this spot. 
they are in a bad position. They are in a position where they have to win that game because you go back to Memphis, nothing's going to be guaranteed. Good point. So, with that said, let's look ahead really quickly to back to the East for a quick second and talk about what should be a pretty legendary series. The Heat and the Knicks. I know you're very disappointment disappointed in Cleveland, and I'm gonna let you get to that in a second. But what do you think of this upcoming series, man? You know I like new you know I like the Knicks a lot more than I like the Cavaliers. You know, and the Knicks are great for playoff basketball. The Knicks winning that series last night was exactly what the NBA needed because all in all, the Cavaliers were a really good team. But I never really had the Cavaliers winning the series. I always had it going seven games, and then we'll see who's going to take game seven. I just didn't know who was going to win the series. But New York went ahead and showed us that the, the last six weeks of the season was no fluke. It was not because Ice Spice started sitting uh, front row at the game. It's that because they got uh, Josh Hart. That's Jalen Brunson's best friend over at Villanova, a guy that won multiple national championships with him as well, too. So these guys are winners and that's what the Knicks needed were winners, not guys who wanted to just be a part of the New York lifestyle, New York life, you know, and being uh, high end celebrities. No, they want to win basketball games in the garden. The garden's much more fun when you're winning games. So pretty much the Knicks have went ahead and they have revitalized the whole league in a, in a, in a sense, in my opinion, because this was going to be a, a playoff that nobody really believed in anything going on in that Eastern Conference. We had the idea that they had three teams, and those three teams were going to battle it out, and one of them already went home, and that's the Bucks. Now we're down to the Sixers and the Celtics, but what makes it really good is, is that you have the New York Knicks on playing hot basketball right now. Last time they were playing really hot basketball like this, they went to the 1999 NBA Finals and lost to the Spurs. And that's crazy for me to say that right now. They were an eighth seed then. And pretty much the way that this this trajectory is uh, uh, lining up for them, now they're in a position where they have a Heat team who's really good. But the Heat somewhat have a mojo over the Bucks, And I think that's what helped them a lot win that series, is that pretty much they had a good idea of what they were going against. You know what I mean? And Jimmy Butler was just absolutely incredible. 90 points in the last two games. Just incredible. So that's the factor. Jimmy Butler has to be contained. And if Jimmy Butler can't be contained, the Knicks are going to be in a little bit of trouble. But the Knicks play the best defense right now out of anybody in the playoffs. And the scoreboard tells you that. So the Knicks, the way that they're playing defense and the way that they believe in themselves at this point, the Knicks are now the most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. I think that this series ends in five or six because the Knicks are going to take this big win over the Cavs, who are a much better team than the Heat, and they're going to really take that into the next level because the Heat just are fortunate enough that their star player has erupted. Other than that, their team is very inconsistent. That's why they were an seed. But I feel like Miami has been – very disrespected because they won their division. They were originally the seventh seed. They wound up losing to Atlanta, their division rival. But I said this, no team that wins their division should be even in a play. You've reserved the right to be in the playoff. Miami was close to missing the playoffs. 
And I don't feel like that's fair. So they want to make it seem like it's it's this big upset when it's not. What happened was is the stars aligned and it was a bad matchup for the Bucks. So pretty much what happens is, is that you get a good win from the Heat, but it's not an upset situation. They were a division champion as well, too. They just weren't as good as the Bucks. But we all know what happened in 2020 in the bubble. The Heat owned the Bucks. So what happens again? They own the Bucks again. Because they own the Bucks. And that's pretty much what, what you saw there. But this Heat next series is a real toss them up. And I truly think at the end of the day, the Knicks are so hot right now that they'll be able to get out of this series pretty quickly. Either five or six games, in my opinion. Because you I know, feel it, like they put a lot out there against the Bucks. The right. uh Heat. The Heat. Well, you know, in losing, I thought that uh the Greek freak, Jonas, made some really good points when he was asked about a reporter if this is beautiful. Beautiful. Great response. It was a perfect response. I really liked it a lot. Now, of course, I understand why the reporter asked that question. Because when you're top seed and you're you're an NBA champion, you're expected to be able to get by the first series, right? But hey, look, Jonas didn't play much in that series. He missed two full games and three full quarters in another one. So basically missed three games. You know, these are all building blocks, like he said. I loved his response. Very, very mature. He composed himself. He made sure not to get personal, and uh, he handled it like a pro. And that's why Jonas is one of my favorite players in the NBA right now. Uh, we've hit on, on on several of the series. I want to circle up and finish the rest of them, but we have a time crunch here. Just a real quick thought from you. What are you uh, seeing from the Celtics so far? Um, the Celtics are still my pick to go to the NBA Finals, without a doubt. You know, that, that what happened against Atlanta the other night, that was luck. You know, Atlanta hits a final a shot at the end of the game. Good for them. But tonight, their season is over. I think the Celtics beat them by 20 or better. Get their rest together um, for a day or two, and then they got this tough series with Philly. But they luck up because Embiid is, is on one leg, and he's going to try to play through it because, you know, the media is going to always bring up, you got to be tougher, you got to be this. He's soft if he ain't going to play, even though you think you're trying to make business decisions because you're one of the $100 million men. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to perform. And I think that what's going to happen is, as usual, Doc Rivers is going to go ahead and coach himself into uh, absolute uh, mess, and they're going to go ahead and lose the series probably in six games. They're not going to go seven, but it's going to be a good series. It's, say, in the first four games, and I think Boston goes ahead and ends it five. I think Boston goes ahead and uh, – takes the final two. I think they'll split the first four, and then Boston goes ahead and finishes them off. Who do you think the NBA wants in the conference finals? Knicks and Celtics? Of course. Knicks and Celtics will work. 76ers and Knicks will work. It has to be the Knicks. It don't matter who their opponent is. If it's the Knicks, the Knicks are just like the Lakers. If they're on, if they're, as long as they're on TV, the ratings will be there. Well, also the, the, the Celtics and the Heat have a little bit of a rivalry going. In the playoffs, yeah, at least. They, they be, matched up a bunch yeah, of times they, in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, they played in last year's conference finals, so that would be a lot of fun. So that's where you go back and say that the Heat played in the conference finals last year. This is not an upset. So pretty much, um, you know, I think that the Celtics, the easier the easier series for them would be against the Heat. Because if they play the Knicks, it's going to be tough because the Knicks played them tough all season. And I think that – 
the Knicks would be motivated if they saw the Celtics on that other side. Because I think that the seventy um, uh, the seventy sixers were a little bit tougher on the Knicks this year than the Celtics were. Celtics and Knicks were always playing cause some high end like intense rivalry games, and I think that the best thing for basketball right now is to put those two together in the conference finals because we've never we haven't seen that in our time. And Boston versus New York is always larger than life, and you know that. Absolutely. Just uh, just to to close it out before the break here, you know the the Nuggets took care of business against the T Wolves. T T Wolves fans a little bit disappointed that they didn't get a better showing because several of these games were blowouts. Um, they kind of sacked it up in games four and game five, st- stole game four, and uh, were competitive in game five. But overall, it was a complete mismatch. Do either the Lakers or the Grizz have a chance to be able to take down the Nuggets, or you think this is the team that's destined to move forward? Well, the Nuggets are still a team that has to show and prove to us that they're they're worthy. You know? By the end of the day, it, let's just keep it real, Mike. They're in that that Utah Jazz mode, that Seattle Supersonic mode, you know, where you got these super teams, but for some odd reason, you figure out ways to implode. I think that Denver, at the end of the day, they look great against a Wolves team that was shorthanded and very uh, toxic at this moment. You know what I mean? They, you got guys that don't want to play with each other anymore, and you got guys that are ready to jump ship. So the Wolves' season was a failure. So that's why, you know, pretty much that series went a lot easier. It went a lot quicker than it should have. And I feel like going into this next round, you're playing against Phoenix, and Phoenix is a tough team. And Phoenix is going to keep work for this. They're going to go six or seven in this series. I don't think Denver loses the series because Denver has the better bench. But at the end of the day, the Suns have the best player, and that's KD. So if KD is able to do exactly what Jimmy Butler did to the Bucks, then uh, the Suns would be moving on, in my opinion. But I think that the Nuggets are just way too good for that situation. And I think that the Nuggets know that if they have to see LeBron, that's they know they got to go through LeBron. Because if LeBron and crew get to the finals, they know that that's who, who, who will stop them. But if they don't have to play the Lakers, in my opinion, they get there. As long as they get past the Suns. Good stuff, Pop. Let's uh, use this time to take a quick commercial timeout. Come back, talk more with the man himself, Pop DiBiase, who's joining us straight from the NFL draft. We'll get more about the draft in just a few moments. Stay with us, everyone. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show with Pop DiBiase, who is, hit, he is hitting us up straight from the NFL Draft. 2023 NFL draft. There's always storylines. There's always some intrigue. But really, I think the bigger moves were were just made in the last couple of days where the uh, Ravens have ensured that Lamar will be at the helm over the next uh, few years. And uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of reminds me of Brett Favre a little bit. You're going from Green Bay to the Jets. Uh, uh, no Minnesota, I guess, for, for uh, Aaron Rodgers. But a similar post-Green Bay type of situation for Aaron Rodgers as it was for Brett Favre and that, you know, the Jets are thinking that that's the missing piece for them to move forward. I do think it's smart from for the Jets to kind of, you know, move on from a bad draft pick. I think teams that do that shave off years uh, of, of growth, <laughs> you know, of turmoil when, when they move off of a quarterback that they just don't, believe in anymore uh and i think the jets are like you know we don't see anybody in this draft at our position in the draft that's a better option than aaron Rodgers for us to win right now what do you think of the aaron Rodgers move and what do you think of the lamar contract is that too big of a deal to be able to bring in talent let's start with uh, the jets and, and aaron okay so with aaron Rodgers situation this is the move of desperation Okay, this is right out the Sean McVay playbook. And um, the thing is, though, he didn't get his way. It, he didn't get his way because at the end of the day, they wanted to get Wilson off the – he wants to get Wilson off the roster. From what I'm hearing, the GM is is okay with it. And if I'm the GM, I'm okay with it too. That was my winning quarterback last year. He's really the reason why we were even in the playoff race because they were 5-3 and three with him as the starter. So pretty much I'm bringing in Aaron – I think that they're, the general manager is bringing in Aaron Rodgers – to be what Brett Favre was to Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he needs to have a mentor. 
And that's why they're bringing in Aaron Rodgers. And if anybody that you would bring in as a mentor to help a quarterback get his get his career together, it would be Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers. But is even here though he said, on, somewhat, even though he said on repeated occasions, though Pop, that he's not a mentor, he's not going to do that with Jordan Love. Well, you know what? I think he didn't want to do it with Jordan Love because he didn't want to be like how Varv was. Uh, he, he he wanted to sound like Varv did. He wanted to make sure that he was in control of that team. And if you want to move on from me, just move on from me. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the Packers were kind of shady about that situation. They said they weren't getting, wasn't getting the quarterback. They went and got a quarterback. They even traded up for him. So, you know what? I felt like he was – he felt dissed. And that's why he was up there. I'm not going to be no mentor. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And Barr felt dissed when they drafted Aaron Rodgers because it's like, I want to let me be the one to say I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to let you say I'm the ready. I'm, uh, I'm not going to let you dictate. You know, I'm not going to let you guys push me out of here. I'm going to make sure I control this thing so you don't embarrass me. So pretty much um, I think that Rodgers will have a different mentality because he's at the twilight of his career. And I think Zach Wilson's more of a kid that he possibly wants to see be successful because they've had post prior conversations to this. But at this point right now, I just think that he wants to be Broadway. He wants to be Broadway Aaron, but he does know, but he does have to sit up there and really, you know, work with his understudy as well, too. You know, you got to make sure you got a good backup in place because he's a four-year-old quarterback. So that means that each game, he's a liability. To the boss, he might know this. Look at Matt Stafford. So pretty, uh, at the end of the day, the Jets get there so they can feel like they can push up and say that, 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 that will put them on the same level as the Bills. But I still think that when you're getting a guy like Rodgers at this point of his, of his career, it may not work the way that you think it's going to work because this is a whole different system. This is a whole different animal, and I don't know how well it's going to go. Now, you do have great receivers, and Garrett, you got uh, I, I, he's he has great potential, but we got a guy in uh, Garrett uh, Wilson who looks like he's going to be a pro bowler, top five receiver this year. That's going to be good for Aaron. Then you got Brees Hall who can go ahead and um, man running game for you as well, too, as long as he can get back to being who he was. So pretty much in a good spot as an offensive team. And they're in a great spot as a defensive team. So what they're thinking about is getting to the playoffs. And once you put winning mentality into the locker room, then everybody's going to be able to blossom off of that. And that's why I say quit on the kids, Zach Wilson, yet, man. Let it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a maturity uh, situation at this time, a little bit of an impatient situation when it comes to Salah. And Salah is showing kind of like the the – Kind of, he's showing some flaws in his coaching ability, and this is why um, they kind of skip out on hiring defensive coaches as head coaches nowadays as well. Too, it's always a risk because they kind of want to dictate things instead of you know being a politician like an offensive coach. Makes perfect sense, man. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we've seen now time and time again that teams. They get to the Super Bowl, oftentimes do it during a quarterback's first contract. There are exceptions, of course. But the reason for that is because it's pretty obvious. You have more money to be able to spend on talent all the way around you. Do you think that Lamar is going to have a ring in the next five years? Well, if we're going to base everything off of the rings and everything like that, then, you know, I don't know. But, you know, pretty much. You know, if we're going to base guys' value off of just winning Super Bowl rings, then, you know, there's a lot of guys that 
aren't as valuable as Lamar that could get a lot of money too, well, right? No, they're not going to get a lot of money. Right. Well, they're I'm not, not gonna coming at it from a value but, perspective, Pop. I'm not okay. coming at it from well, a value perspective. My, I'm saying kind of like, d- does does he him getting that contract pretty much prevent the Ravens from winning a Super Bowl? Look, this is the same contract that they gave Joe Flacco, but two times better. You know what I mean? Joe Flacco had a real problem getting his contract, at, and this is after winning the Super Bowl. And pretty much they had this the same stance they had with Lamar. I told you from day one, Lamar was never leaving. It never mattered what they were talking about. You can go talk to other teams and everything. The Ravens always had – the Ravens wanted to see if anybody would be able to really outbid them. That's why they went ahead and did that. Nothing, not, All of that was theater. Lamar and the Ravens were never really mad at each other. They were just negotiating a deal. Mike, you're an agent. You know this. You know that when you're negotiating a deal, sometimes you, get, you, you have snacks. And so pretty much now the deal is done. They got the confidence of their quarterback now. And they went and got him OBJ. I know what you mean, Mike, is like, is this going to hold them up as a team and, you know, really building a team and things of that nature? Well, I think that they have a lot of guys – the thing about the Ravens that makes them so good, they have the best scouting department in football. Nobody gives them enough credit for that point. But the Ravens are a team that can always pick up players that are going to perform. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where they get them from, but they're going to pick up players that are going to perform. They're going to uh, they're going to um, be they're going to be higher than their their actual value. You know what I mean? And they play well because they have a great locker room. So as long as you have Lamar being a great leader, I think that the Ravens will be fine moving forward. Interesting points. Now, sticking with the quarterback conversation, you interviewed uh, one of the the big stars of this upcoming draft. Tell us about that. Well, interviewing which one? (laughs) Just get by. But I was able to talk to Bryce uh, Young, and Bryce Young, uh, from what I'm hearing right now, is it's more than likely he will be going number one. It's about a 99.9 percent chance that that occurring. So pretty much. He will be the number one pick in the draft from what from what all readings are. And after interviewing him yesterday, if I was an owner, GM, that is my number one pick in the draft. And I, I may not even need a quarterback, but I will say this. That kid is the face of anybody's franchise of all 32 teams in the NFL because this guy gets it. He's the absolute gem. He's the absolute professional. And he's just a nice, great guy at the end of the day. Very humble. And he's also a guy that got into – you know, carrying himself to other quarterbacks. He's into, you know, studying guys, trying to be the best possible back that he can be. And when you hear guys talk like that, you want to they, – they can move mountains. And I think that, that the Panthers are getting those the gem of a player. It's just hopefully their toxicity won't ruin him. That's the whole thing. And I think that he's the guy that will make them a functional team once you get I like everything that you're saying about him. You've got me sold. You know, I think that if teams sit down with him and and CJ Stroud, uh, there there may be a noticeable difference. And Ohio State quarterbacks haven't fared that well in the NFL overall. You know, with some exceptions, of course. You know, but it's just more of a Troy Smith or 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 not. I, I think. Uh, I think you've kind of nailed it. I think this kid has the maturity. He's got the right attitude. He's got the right approach. And the most important word you said is he, he's got what it takes to be a professional. 
And I think that's what's interesting about him. What's the vibe overall right. in Kansas City for this draft? Um, as the young folks like to say, uh, they are ecstatic. I thought I was at a Chiefs home game today. You know, but Kansas City is a city. I don't want to be too loud about it. Uh, I'm a little bit on the board side, but that boring is good sometimes. You know, because, you know, usually me, you know, Phoenix was was a blast because I had some little night fun. But, you know, KC is a clo- is a city that closes by 10 o'clock. So, you know, it's all good. But they but this is a happening event. You know, when you, you're in smaller cities like this one, you know, these happening events are are pretty much they'll be talking about it a year. So, you know, it's, it's a good, good, but one will these people in Kansas City, they all have great manners. Everybody says good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And, you know, you got, you got to respect that. You know what I mean? So pretty much it's, it, it's, it is what it is, as always, Mike. What are some of the other uh, storylines that you're kind of uh, interested in keeping an eye on while you're out there? Um... C.J. Stroud is uh, possibly going to go number three to the Titans because they're working on a deal right now to move out of the third pick because they know that they got can acquire more assets down the road. I'm hearing that there's a total rebuild that's going to occur in Arizona. But if they stay at that pick, I would suggest that they probably will get Tyree Wilson or Paris Johnson Jr., so if they stay there, it's going to either be a defense lineman or an offense lineman. But they're really trying to move out of that pick right now because they're trying to get the assets to move forward for the future. And I think that C.J. Stroud, if he does go to the Titans, that will be a great fit for him because he has Derrick Henry there uh, to be a good, um, you know, uh, to be a good um, compliment compliment to him and not put too much pressure on him as well. And then also it's a rumor that DeAndre Hopkins might possibly part, be a part of that deal as well too. So if he's able to get Hopkins and um, it would be, it would be incredible for a start of his career. But when I think about CJ Stroud and I think about Bryce Young, I got to take uh, Bryce Young all day. At first I thought it was it, when you look at the tapes and look at the measurables, you say, Oh, I got to have CJ Stroud. But the more and more that came out and the more and more I hear him talk and the more and more activity I see him do, I say to myself, this is a 50-50 situation. It's not even because he went to Ohio State. It's because the kid has been entitled his whole life when it comes to football. You know what I mean? You went to Corona Centennial. That's one of the top schools in the nation. You went to Ohio State. That's one of the top schools in the nation. And you were a superior football player. But that's all you really were. So pretty much – you know, after he said that I don't take tests, I'm a football player. I don't know if I want a guy like that leading my team because that means that when the going gets tough, he may quit on me. And um, I don't know about all that. You know what I mean? I don't know if he can handle all the pressure what really comes with the NFL. I think that he's done a good job being able to tell, you know, to, to sell himself. And his tape has done a good job of selling him. But do you want to trust this guy with the keys to the, uh, to, keys to the kingdom? You know what I mean? And that's my biggest question. And so that's a really saying, interesting point. He might not go in the first round. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that's a really interesting point because, they, you know, he was asked to do something that everybody has to do. And now all of a sudden he's like, ah, no, not me. I don't need to do that. You know, does, right. does that mean he's an extreme individual and, and got leadership because he's able to put his foot down? Or does this mean he's not a team player? And like you said, when things don't go his way, he kind of throws a fit, not necessarily a fit, but you know, he, he stamps, stomps his foot down and says, no, you know, and, and do you want think, that from your quarterback position? 
Mike, I think what it is, you're an agent, Mike, you know this. I think that it's all about the money. This guy just wants to get paid. And once he gets paid, then whatever life you your family lived that was a struggle, it's not going to be a struggle anymore. And I think that the money is going to get in the way of his progression. And that's pretty much what I'm seeing right now. You already got a beautiful $250,000 chain draped over your head, neck. And, you know, I'm not hating. I love it. Great. Good for you, kiddo. But the thing is, though, this NFL thing is hard. And you got to put the work in, man. And everybody wants the, the glitz and glamour of the league. But nobody wants to put in the work. And I think that he has to show me that he's going to put in the work. He wants the glitz. It looks like you just want the glitz and glamour. To be honest with you, I'm feeling like I'm seeing a Killy Smith 2.0. The first, but he, I was going to say that the first four teams all probably need quarterbacks, right? Carolina, Houston, Arizona. I don't know the health of Kyler Murray. Houston, but Houston, Houston doesn't necessarily need to draft that quarterback at two. I think that the, the Will Anderson pick is too good to pass up. You know what I mean? I think that he's a day one impact player and you want a day one impact player. And I, I you know, before, um, when I was trying to, I was trying to throw out a name to you. If I was the Texans, I wouldn't mind throwing my second round pick on Jake Hayner. I feel that's the best quarterback in the draft, straight up. Yeah, he went to Fresno State. So what? You see how he graded on his uh, on that S S two test? He had the same grade as Drew Brees. Okay, and the guy has been a, was a three year starter. He led his team to three straight bowl games. He broke massive records. He broke so many records at Fresno State. And then he had the game of games beating UCLA as well, too. And put that kid on UCLA right now. UCLA would have won two Rose Bowls. I promise you that, Mike. And so I'm saying right now, be smart about this thing. Do what the Raiders did uh, 10 years ago. Wait till the second round. Go get go get the right quarterback. You know, because the Raiders could have went and got stupid and got a quarterback there in the top three. But they went and got Khalil Mack. And then they went and got Derek Carr. That team was in the playoffs within two years. I think that the Texans need to go with that blueprint. I completely agree with you. And look, don't sleep on Fresno State quarterback, people, because when you look at at Fresno State, they've got a good history. You know, Trent Dilfer and both Carr brothers are high draft picks and, and, you know, and on and on and on. They keep breaking each other's records, which were good records that have stood so Fresno State is a is a good producer of NFL quarterbacks. You get a lot of the next best guys in California, and there aren't a lot of schools in California for the best guys to even go around, right? I mean, SC, Stanford, Cal, UCLA, San Diego State, Fresno State, right? And Fresno State knows how to get these Central Valley guys, guys from Sacramento, Stockton, Modesto, Bakersfield, etc. There's a lot of talent out there. Josh Allen's from that region, right? I don't think he even had an opportunity with Fresno State, though. But my point is, it's a fertile ground for NFL quarterbacks in the making. So with that said, Pop, let's take our final commercial timeout. We'll come back, put a bow on this, and talk a little MLB as well. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show for the final segment, talking to Pop DiBiase, who is out in Kansas City for the NFL Draft. He's there covering it live and uh, bringing us a lot of really good insights and the, the feel for what's going on over there in Kansas City. A lot of uh, enthusiasm for this draft. He says it's like a Kansas City home game, and we already know how wild they are at Arrowhead, how much noise they make at Arrowhead, how much they love their football out there. But we're going to shift gears and talk a little MLB action because there's a lot going on, and – it starts, in my mind, with Tampa. Tampa just keeps on rolling, man. They're setting record after record. I don't know if this thing is, is going to necessarily slow down to a halt. It's they, Eventually, they're gonna, they can't keep this pace. But I think if they even go 500 the rest of the way out, you know, they're a division winner. You know, they're that much many games above 500. How are you seeing Tampa 20 games in now? 
April baseball. That's what I see. And I see a team that has some has very, very good talent. Uh Franco and Diaz literally they sound like a, a, a great, you know, duo of anything. And um, you know, pretty much I think that Tampa Bay is just riding high off of having some great hitting, some 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 confidence that they've been a good team for the last three years. And so pretty much their ex their true expectations. And I think that but the pitching staff that is balling right now has been a big factor of that as well, too. And they're doing this with rookies as well, too. So there's just a lot of things that are working. Tampa Bay just has a great, great formula right now, and it's just working. And I thought that when they lost a few players here in the offseason, they could regress a little bit, but they've actually gotten even better. But I don't think that they really do – I think that – I'm not going to say the schedule's been really easy for them, but at the same time, too, they haven't played the they haven't played enough uh, division foes. Um, you know, you haven't even played the Yankees yet. You played the Red Sox, and the Red Sox played it close with you. But then when you went to Toronto, they beat you two out of three. So I'm saying to myself, I still think the Yankees and the Blue Jays, when they start playing those games, we'll see who the real Tampa Bay truly is. But I think, though, at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is a playoff team. There's without a doubt. Um, it would take a catastrophic uh, fall off for them not to miss the playoffs. I think that they're a playoff team and they are a big front runner to win the AL East at this moment. But I think at the end of the day, everybody should learn from the Dodgers and know that it doesn't matter. And the Giants, it doesn't matter if you win 112 games, you better show up in the playoffs. And I don't think, and I think uh, Tampa Bay gets that. So pretty much they're going to take their time, but they got, they, they got off to a head start and now they don't have to deal with chasing a playoff spot there at the end of the season in my opinion they'll probably secure one by the top of uh by mid-september so it should be a good um it should be a good season for these guys they're just fun to watch man and it's fun because it's in lowly it's in little tampa bay tampa bay was never supposed to be this good period it was just supposed to have a little baseball team down there to enter uh, to kind of uh go ahead and make them a, a major uh city when it comes to sports that you know that pretty much was their fourth franchise when they got there because we all know the lightning got there before them so you know they they have everything but an nba team down there now so pretty much um now the sports culture is really taking off the tampa bay rays were very good the tampa bay lightning been very good and the bucks been very good so it's just i think that it's the energy of the community that's boosting this team to the top you mentioned the bucks pittsburgh pirates they have the second most wins in baseball behind the Rays. That's got to be a big surprise, man. The Pittsburgh um, Pirates are pitching well and hitting well. They have some young talent, but I think this is a team that's going to uh, regress to the mean eventually. Bro, but it's a nice story until then. Bro, I, I, I looked closely at the um, Pittsburgh roster, and I told you this, Mike, when I told on my preview, on, on the preview of them. They'll probably be a fast starter, but they're going to, but it's going to get real ugly here in the, close them up but they're going to be a better team than they were the season before and that's exactly what i saw coming with the pirates because they do have the players they they're probably going to be top five and hitting home runs this season so they're a good team but the, at the end of the day they don't have the pitch in the back them up you know what i mean the, the regression will be will be soon they're another team that kind of played an easy schedule as well too even though they beat the dodgers two out of three they've actually beat the dodgers seven out of nine to uh since last since last season you got to understand they did sweep them at the ravine last year. Yeah, they kind of have their number. 
Yeah. So, you know, that that wasn't a big deal to me. But if I put them in a game in uh, October, I think the Dodgers take that serious just simply because the way that things stack up. But, you know, it, 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 the Pirates are growing and I think that they'll be they'll they'll be closer to where they want to be next year. And they're doing all this with O'Neill out for the next six weeks. I think he's out longer than that, isn't he? That'd yeah, be great too much. Whatever he's out. Six. Right. But you know how this medical medical stuff works. And, you know, baseball, sometimes you can work back a little bit quicker. You know what I mean? But you always got to understand you're going to spend uh, at least two weeks back down at the minors. So then you can go ahead and try to get this thing uh, done. You know what I mean? So pretty much, you know, you got to spend your two weeks down there so you can get back into MLB shape. So, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, they can slowly bring this situation on because he's a phenomenal prospect. And I think that you don't want to ruin that. So pretty much it's good that the future's bright. And I think that bringing back McCutcheon was a big, big uh, bonus to this team because it's all about how your dugout is. And, um, you know, the Dodgers are kind of going through that struggle a little bit right now, too, without JT, the clubhouse leader, being there. Like, who's the clubhouse leader now? You ask that question, I would say Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman or something like that. And, um, you know, they're just now getting used to what really their new team is. You know what I mean? But all in all, the Pirates did it right. You go get yourself a, a long-time vet, a, a guy that you molded as well, too. And, and he was there the last time you were a really successful team. So he's going to know exactly what buttons to push with this team as well. So I think that Andrew McCutcheon has been the the reason for them getting to, off to such a great start because of his wisdom. He seems really reinvigorated back at Pittsburgh where it all started. for Well, him, that's, who, that's who brought him up. Yep. Right. That's who brought him up. That's who he had his success with. The other teams were just him chasing money. Think about it, Mike. You know that. Absolutely. And sometimes when you chase money and you, and you go out of where you fit at, your career don't go the same way. But when right. you stay where you got your love at, just like Lamar's situation, you're going to always progress and always evolve and always be a winning player for that team. So, you know, he made the worst decision of his career 10 years ago when he left. So, you know, now he knows that this is where he belongs. The other hot team, Atlanta, Hotlanta, they're not a surprise. To me, I think they're the best no. team in the National League right now. But the team after that, in terms of number of wins – it's a tie between Baltimore, Toronto, and Milwaukee. Just want to get your quick take real fast. I know you're big on Toronto. That's your team. And uh, they're starting to warm up right now. They're starting to heat up. But the Orioles, too. You, you said that the Orioles are going to be a lot better. And here they are at the top of the American League East. A division where every team well, has the American 500. League Right, and just like last year, the American League East was the best division in baseball. You know that, Mark, right? Because even Red Sox and, uh, and at one point, every team had a winning record in the, in that division last year. And when Baltimore was able to find themselves in fourth place, it was like, okay, they're moving on up. But if I love anybody in the AL East, it's Baltimore. You know, because the young the 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 Montreal Expos 2.0 uh, project that we got going on in Toronto, that's beautiful to watch because, you know, it's a legacy team because they got all these players that their dads were great MLB players. But this this Orioles situation is beautiful because Oriole, Baltimore is a great baseball town, and they deserve to have a great baseball team to talk about. So right now with them playing the baseball that they're playing and the way that this, this Italian has been homegrown, 
Baltimore, if they can keep it up, they can be the best story in baseball, in my opinion. So, you know, I love the way that uh, Baltimore is approaching their games right now, and the pitching is backing up the hitting, and that's what's making everything special for that team. One other team worth mentioning, by the way, is the Texas Rangers. We spent a lot of time talking about their offseason moves when we did our uh, MLB previews in the weeks leading up to the opening day uh, uh, return of of Bruce Bochy. This team is 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 playing pretty good baseball, man. Uh, they're they're sitting atop of the AL West uh, half game uh, above the Houston Astros. I'm not saying it's going to last forever, but they're they're playing good ball. The uh, Astros are where they're expected to be, which is at or near the top. Angels are playing decent ball. The team that everybody expected was Seattle. They're in fourth. They're kind of uh, struggling a little bit. Julio hasn't got on track yet. Who are you liking so far from what you see in the AL West? Mike, I told you that. Mike, I told you I I felt like the Mariners were going to be a slow starter, and they're going to be a team that's going to pick it up come mid-June to the rest of the year. Um, I think they're a really good team. They're, they're still there, but the Texas Rangers have kind of thrown their little hat into the ring right now, and the, the, the Angels are try, are somewhat showing some life as well, too. So, you know, the Mariners at some point, the Mariners can't lay around. You know what I mean? They can't live off that, the fact that the AL West is, is weak. It's not weak this season. Only team that has issues is the A's because they're not built to win. So pretty much the other four teams has became pretty much a, a round robin in my opinion because the Astros, I told you this was going to happen. They're regressing because they lost Verlander. Verlander was another dugout guy, and he was the guy who led that pitching pitching staff. I don't think that they have a, a, a A-plus pitching rotation anymore. They're more of a B-plus pitching rotation right now. They got a lot of young potential talent, but losing Verlander is a lot. And then you lost Garrett Cole as well, too. So I think that you know, at the end of the day, the rinse and repeat, let's go back down, get our talent from the minors thing. It works, but sometimes it's going to hold your team up as well, too. And I think that Houston Astros are very satisfied with the fact that they've won a world title that nobody questioned. So I don't I'm not t- picking them as as the 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 secretary to the AL West again this year. I think that it's a wide open division and this division will be won by the last week of the season. But Seattle has the best roster in my opinion and they got the best player in the uh division as well too outside of Anaheim cuz you know Trout and Shotani, you know those guys are are in, uh, right now the elite. But when you say a guy on the up and up and who could possibly win MVP this year, if he can continue to play the way he's playing, is uh, J-Rod. So pretty much I really do feel like Seattle can make these moves, but the pitching has to get together. Robbie Ray just was lost for the season as well, too. How do you go ahead and um, fill that void as well? So there's yeah, a lot well, of Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there, Pop, the because we're at, we're at the close of the show. And yep, we didn't yeah. even talk any NL West, but that's because we talk about NL West all the time. So we'll save it for next week. Pop DiBiase spitting fire live from Kansas City. Great stuff with the draft, Pop. Uh, we'll we'll be tuned in to hear all the interviews that you got set up. Looking forward to that. As always, thank you to Pop. Thank you to my man, Andrew. Thank you to Voice America. And most of all, thank you to you, the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.